Well, Parkview Church, blessings to you in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. My name is Wade. I'm one of your pastors. It's so good to be opening God's Word. We're going to continue in the series of the Ten Commandments. Words to live by will be in Deuteronomy 5, verse 16. Fifth commandment, honor your father and mother. And where is Len? There you are, brother. I just want to honor you, brother, because uh, that was really helpful to me. And I love that we have an elder who can stand up here and just openly talk about difficulties in your life, but how Jesus Christ met you with his mercy in the midst of your darkness. And we all know those monsters. We all have those monsters. And so I'm so thankful for you being willing to do that. Thank you, brother. Um, and, and, and I think oftentimes I wonder if the monsters that Len was talking about, uh, for many of us probably or maybe revolve around some type of family issue. Even Len was, you know, being honest in that the fear of being a failure as a father um, or are our kids not, uh, you know, following the path that we want for them. I think so often the family life can really create serious difficulties uh, in our lives, in our experience. And so the fifth commandment is a gift of God's wisdom to us to help families flourish and become all they're meant to be under God's grace. And so it's such a good thing that we get to open God's word together. So I'm actually going to read. Uh, so the New Testament passage was read, which basically is almost a verbatim copy and paste from, the, uh, from Deuteronomy 5. I'm going to read the Deuteronomy 5 passage together, and then we'll pray, and then we'll move forward. So hear God's word again. Honor your father and your mother as the Lord your God commanded you that your days may be long and that it may go well with you in the land the Lord your God is given you. This is God's word. It's true. It's given to us in love. Let's pray. Father, we do ask by your Holy Spirit's power that we would see Jesus here in the fifth commandment and that by seeing Christ that we would be compelled by the Spirit to obey our Lord Jesus in this commandment. You expect us to obey. You've given us the provision we need to obey you. I pray for young children here uh, kids, teenagers, that they would hear from you, Jesus, what you're calling them to do. And I, I, I also pray for parents, or wherever they're at right now, on the encouragement-discouragement scale, I pray that you would give them fresh power from your spirit to understand um, what you're calling them to be and to do in response to Jesus Christ. So we just need so much help, Lord. Please help us learn all that you teach, obey all that you command, love all that you love. And we pray this in the name of Jesus Christ, for the good of your church. Amen. Well, it's one of the world's greatest and most important inventions. It allows people from around the world to connect to one another in greater ease. It's changed how we carry information. It's increased economic output. It's helped us cross great obstacles. And many experts think that modern life as we now know it could not be sustained if we remove this from our society. What I am talking about is the bridge. The bridge, whether it's the Golden Gate Bridge, the Brooklyn Bridge, the London Bridge, when functioning properly, bridges are the place where so much good can happen. Yet, bridges can break. Bridges can fail. Many of us remember the deadly crash of the I-35W bridge in Minneapolis several years ago, collapsing and the horrible consequences 
of that bridge's failure. See, see sadly, when, you, when bridges do not function properly, bad things happen. And this basic insight into bridges gives us a window in, into the glory of the fifth commandment of honoring father and mother. So you see, family is one of God's greatest inventions. In fact, God himself is family. Have you ever thought about the, the, the centrality of the doctrine of the Trinity? God is Father. He's revealed himself as a Father, loving the Son, Jesus, by the power of the Holy Spirit. God is family. And because God is family, family life, our family life as humans, matters greatly to him and is his invention to infiltrate this world with his redeeming love and presence and care. And yet, just like families, while they can be good, just like bridges, they can be good, they can also fail, they can also break. And again, many of us, the dark monster, monsters, when we wake up at 2 a.m., we know what it's like to have broken families. We know what it's like to feel the shame or disappointment of our family life not being what we had hoped it would be. Or suffering the consequences of having mothers and fathers that didn't care for us or were never around. Or if they were there, maybe they were dysfunctional. Or having kids that never quite actually respected us or followed us and rebelled against us. Family life can be difficult. And so the wisdom of the fifth commandment is that it's a bridge. And the reason I use this image of a bridge is because several scholars have pointed out that if you think of the Ten Commandments, the the two parts of it, according to Jesus, is love for God and love for neighbor. You probably have heard this already in this series. Love for God, commandments one to four, have sole allegiance to God alone, no other gods before him, worship him according to his word, not having idols, respecting and revering and honoring his name because of his character, he's revealed himself, resting according to his provision for us, love for God. And then you have love for neighbor. God is the God of life, and therefore we should not murder nor speak wrongly against our neighbor. God is the God of covenant faithfulness. Therefore, we should uh, resist any sexual infidelity in our marriages. God is the God of generosity. Therefore, as we treat our neighbors, we should be doing so as stewards, generosity and care. The list can go on and on. Love for God, love for neighbor. But the question is, where do we as humans most powerfully, most tangibly learn how to love God and love our neighbor. Where's the location? Commandment five, it's the home. And as young men and women honor father and mother, or older men and women honor father and mother by caring for them, as there's an honoring of father and mother, and in response, a culture environment in the home where mother and father are caring, loving, supporting, and nourishing children, God's love, the very life of God the Father, Loving the Son infiltrates the human cultures. And that's why, if you study history, societies that have failed or have gone into severe injustice and craziness and chaos, most often is because the family unit has gone into chaos and breakdown. And otherwise, the families have, societies have generally done well, generally have had good patterns and structures of justice. Most often have patterns where the family has been supported and has been taken care of and is healthy and growing. Now, the fifth commandment then is a bridge. Okay? But I want to look at the fifth commandment in detail in four ways. Okay? It's actually three points and then application. Okay? But there's four, the four Ps. Okay? 
Number one is the point of the fifth commandment. Number two is the problem of the fifth, of the fifth commandment or the problem that we face as we try to embrace and uh, obey the fifth commandment. The third is the person of the fifth commandment. And then the fourth is the practice, so application. So really it's the point of the fifth commandment, the problem, the person, and then in response to those three things, how do we put the fifth commandment into practice? Well, the main point of the fifth commandment is pretty simple to understand. It says right there in the text, verse 16, honor your father and your mother as the Lord your God commanded you. So the key is understanding this word honor. What does honor mean? Well, um, in scripture, right, this word is actually used a lot about our honor of God. And just like we might say that, uh, you know, someone comes in the room like, wow, that person carries a lot of weight. In scripture, the original Hebrew word for honor means weightiness or heaviness. It means the kind of central importance and significance. And so to honor God is to treat him with the utmost love and respect and trust. And therefore, to honor our parents is to view and speak and interact with them with the utmost respect and trust and love because of their God-given role in our lives to be that bridge, that place where they train us to love God and love our neighbor. Now, I know even by saying this, there's a bunch of footnotes and caveats and nuance that needs to be had because I get it. Many of us in here may not have grown up in a home where mother or father taught us the love of God and how to love others. Many of us come from dysfunctional. All of those things we'll consider later on in the sermon, but God's intention for humanity, for his people, is a mother and father loving their children and raising them in the instruction of his love and then the children responding to mother and father with respect, trust, and love. And this command is linked to a promise, right? Look at the last phrase of verse 16, that your days, honor your father and mother, that your days may be long, and that it may go well with you in the land. Basically, this is a promise of, of blessing. In Ephesians 6, the Apostle Paul, we read this, uh, Lauren just read this uh, earlier, the Apostle Paul applies this command and its promises to the Christian. Now, be careful here, because these two promises, long life and good life, should not be seen as automatic guarantees, meaning if you're, uh, you know, wow, you've really loved your father and mother, you've, you know, obviously not, no one does it perfectly, but you've been faithful to honor and love them, therefore, you will live till you're 93, and your life is going to be amazing, and no pain or suffering, because it says right there, no, that's not how this promise is working, it's more of a, a pattern that we should rely on, or a principle at work, and the principle is this, as we love and respect our mother and father, receiving their wisdom and their care, it will most likely set us up to enjoy the blessings, most likely, most of the time, set us up to enjoy the blessings of love for God and love of neighbor. And in reverse, disobeying mom or dad or having a consistent pattern of refusing their care, of refusing their counsel, most often, not all the time, not a guarantee, most often will lead to a life of misery and difficulty because of their place in their life, in your life, to love and guide you. Now again, God's mercy is wonderful and the gospel of Jesus Christ, as Len was teaching us, is powerful and it can, can change hearts. But if there is a consistent refusal to honor mom and dad, what scripture is showing is most likely life will not end up to be all that great for you. And again, 
footnotes, caveats, that doesn't happen all the time. I get that. But there is a pattern of as we honor mother and father, the Lord works a blessing into our life because they've been put there by God himself, God the Father, to love us and lead us into what is beautiful and good and true. Here are the ways, then, that we can honor our father and mother. If you're young, it's obeying your mom and dad. Obviously, if mom and dad are telling you to do things that dishonor God or are harmful for you, don't obey them. But most of the time, mom and dad really want to help you out. They want you to have a wonderful life, so listen to them. Obey them. If you're older, honoring father and mother probably means that you care for your mom and dad. Maybe that means financially. Maybe that's not possible. Then it means emotionally, praying for them, calling them on the phone, going to visit them often so that they know that you love them and that you respect and care for them. And if you're any age, a 65-year-old child, a 55-year-old child, a 45, 35, 25, 15-year-old, whatever it is, it's praising your mom and dad. When you talk to your mom and dad or talk about your mom and dad when they are not with you, are you using words of honor, respect, and kindness? Now, I get it, right? Some of us grow up in homes where mom and dad, it's a constant culture of discouragement and they're mean-hearted, and they're vicious, whatever it is. And there is a healthy place in the local church to talk openly with a wise and loving brother or sister about the difficulties that your mom and dad are inflicting on your life. I'm not talking about you never get to be honest in a safe context. I'm talking about when you're, when you're talking to your friend, is it your mom and dad are always the end of your jokes. They're seen as idiots or losers or whatever. Is that kind of how your attitude is to mom and dad? We are called to praise them, to affirm and encourage and talk respectfully to them. Whatever your age as a child, another way you can honor is forgiving your parents. All of our parents have failed us in some form or fashion. Holding on to bitterness against them is not honoring them. To actually honor Christ first and honor your parents is to work through the process of forgiveness and whatever that might look like, okay? There's so many more things, right? It's one of this, I feel like every commandment, have you felt this? We could probably have a 27-part series on every single one of these commandments. I could keep going on for the next three hours on different ways to honor But you get the picture. We are called with our mother and father, the point of the fifth commandment, what the Lord Jesus is calling each and every one of us to today is to respect our parents as our God-given gift in our life to bless us. Now again, I know, footnotes, caveats, nuances, what about this situation? We're going to get there. But this is God's intention for all of us, to stay faithful to him by honoring our parents. Okay, So we've seen the place of the fifth commandment. It's that bridge where we learn from mom and dad how to love God, love neighbor. It's the point of honoring them, respecting them, giving them the weight that they're due because of their God-given role. But now the problems. Because even as we look at the point and here are the different ways that we can do it, we all recognize areas where we have not lived in alignment with the fifth commandment. All of us are fifth commandment failures. And the two problems that we face is sin and suffering. The dark monsters at 2 a.m. in our minds, dealing with our family, probably come back to sin, ways that you have not measured up as a parent that you wish you would, or ways that you were so foolish in what you said to your mom and dad during those three years of teenage rebellion, and it still kind of haunts you. Sin or suffering, meaning the dark monsters that haunt us is maybe you're a parent today and the way that your child has consistently treated you over the years is one of the most difficult aspects of your life. 
Sin and suffering. These are kind of the problems we encounter as we look at the fifth commandment. So the first problem, sin. Why is it that we struggle so much with the fifth commandment? Why is it that somehow, oftentimes, when we become teenagers, our pa- I talked to a friend uh, recently, and he said, when I was seven, my parents were my heroes. When I was 18, they were nothing. When I was 32, I loved them. What happens? What happened? Why would it go from seven to 18, all of a sudden, they're nothing? What's going on? Well, ever since Genesis 3, when our first parents bought into the lie, that they could become like God, and therefore, in that moment, shirking God's authority, what has happened is that the human heart has been diseased by an allergic reaction against authority. We do not want God to be interfering in our lives, as C.S. Lewis, the great Christian author of the 20th century, once said. And nor do we want people interfering with our lives. 16th century theologian Martin Luther says it like this. Why do you think, and he's commenting on the fifth commandment, why do you think the world's now so full of unfaithfulness, so full of shame and misery and murder? It's because all people want to be their own lords, to be free of all authority, to care nothing for anyone, and to do whatever they please. And this refusal to respect authority, especially parental authority, has only increased in our contemporary society of feelism and social media. By that I mean feelism is that, especially among our young people, the primary kind of vision they have for life is that what guides their life is their own internal desires and feelings. That's how they make choices. That's their primary authority is the internal compass of feelings and desires, feelism. But then what happens, because so many young people today are on social media and TikTok and Instagram and Facebook and all that stuff, so fun in so many ways, what happens is as they pursue this kind of feelism, they have friends affirming, liking, retweeting, anything they say that's an expression of their internal desire. And that makes it really difficult then as a parent to speak a word of loving concern or a word of, you know, you probably don't want to do, because what you're doing is you are, what feels like, attacking them at their truest part of who they should be, which is their internal desires. Now, the issue though is not kids these days, the problem is not Gen Z or millennials, or whatever generation, because sin has infected all of us. I mean, just think of it. If you're a 55-year-old son or daughter, uh, 25 or 15, whatever it is, instead of praising our parents, we often have discouraged them. We've talked bad about them behind their backs. Instead of obeying our parents, we've often resisted their wisdom. Some of you wish you could go back to your 16-year-old self and listen to mom and dad. But we've resisted. Instead of forgiving our parents, many of us are still holding on to bitterness. Instead of learning from our parents about Jesus Christ, opening our hearts to mom and dad, teach me about Jesus. Or if you're an older, uh, older adult, but you're still a child, calling them up and just seeking their... The reason we kind of resist their... We, oftentimes we just think they're pretty foolish. And mom and dad don't have much to teach us because I know most everything I need. We all have this internal sin battle when it comes to the fifth commandment. That's the first problem. But the second problem is suffering. Not only have we sinned against God and neighbor, but we've been sinned against. And we suffer for it. Some of us here, our children have shamed us in anger and have said things to us that would never be allowed on public television or Netflix. Others of us have not heard an encouraging word or even a thank you mom or a thank you dad in a long while and it's starting to wear on us. Others of us are losing hope that our defiant child 
will finally return to Jesus Christ. There's all these different ways that we suffer in our families because the fifth commandment is stiff-armed and basically given kind of the middle finger of defiance. The fifth commandment is given to us to give us flourishing, but what has happened is humans have taken the fifth commandment, snapped it over our knees, tossed it in the trash can, and it's created devastating consequences. We have a problem when it comes to the fifth commandment, and so what is the hope? What is the hope in the midst of that problem? It gets to our third main point, the person of the fifth commandment. Very simply, our hope is the person of Jesus Christ. Here's what I mean. Have you ever thought about who Jesus is? Fundamentally to his identity. Who is Jesus? Jesus reveals himself as the Son of God. The Son of God. Jesus is part of the perfect family. At his baptism, what do we see? At his baptism, we see ultimate reality break open. And we see God the Father speaking words of love and delight and affirmation on his Son in the power of the Holy Spirit. Our triune God is the only perfect family ever to exist. And here's what our God has done. Through Jesus Christ, God, Father, Son, and Spirit, the perfect family of love, has infiltrated our broken world of fifth commandment breaking and disappointment and shame and regret and suffering and has brought Jesus Christ in the very midst of it. And the gospel of Christ shows us that on the cross of Jesus, he's bearing upon himself all of the brokenness of fifth commandment sinning and suffering. I mean, just think of it, right? When Jesus was a young boy, he was obeying his mom and dad, yes, But then think of, that's the Gospel of Luke, at the very end of the Gospel of John, as Jesus is crucified, what is he doing? He looks over to his mother and his friend. And in that moment on the cross, Jesus says to his mother Mary, behold your son, to his friend John. He's providing care for his mother as he's dying. Jesus is the most wonderful, obedient son of the fifth commandment the world's ever seen. But look what's happened. He's being crucified. Why? So that amidst all of our sinning and breaking of the fifth commandment, he's bearing that upon himself. The faithful, honorable, loving son, Jesus Christ, bearing that upon himself. And not only the sin, but the suffering as well. Many of us, right, feel that our family's always in crisis. Or when we were growing up, it was always one family crisis after another because of this or that that mom did or mom wasn't there or dad wasn't there. It's crisis after crisis. And yet think about what's happening as Jesus Christ, the Son of God, is suffering on the cross. As Russell Moore once said, the author Russell Moore, he says, the cross of Jesus Christ is the ultimate family crisis because you on the cross what do we see the son of god crying out to his father where are you why have you forsaken me in this crisis and what's happening in that moment is jesus is taking upon his lips to his father all of the family crises that we have gone through that is the good news of jesus christ in his death and resurrection he's taking upon our sin bearing the curse and punishment we deserve He's also bearing our suffering so that he can be a sympathetic Savior. Jesus knows 
what it's like to go through family crisis. And that is our hope, is the person of Jesus Christ. So in light of who Jesus is and what he's done for us, what does it mean for us? What's the practice? How do we put this into practice? How does this shape our life together here at Parkview Church? Well, there's a few things. First, if you're an unbeliever, if you're someone here who does not claim to be a Christian, I'm glad you're here. And maybe today, one of the things, the dark monsters that Len was talking about, in your mind as you wake up at 2 a.m., is something dealing with your family. And the good news to you today is that Jesus Christ is the most wonderful professional at restoring broken families and restoring broken hearts. And so the call to you is, is simply this. Just come to Jesus Christ. Admit your sin to Jesus and ask for his forgiveness and to, for him to show you a new way of living life with your family, a new way of using your words to your spouse and to your kids, a new way of looking at your mom and dad rather than just losers, but actually as God's gift to you. Jesus Christ wants to do that in your life today. Second categories, families here today, okay? Very simply, what I, I think what the Lord's calling you today is have a conversation as a family about the fifth commandment. If you are a kid or a teenager, Here's my encouragement to you, okay? On the way home, turn to your mom and dad, if they're driving, whoever it is that's driving you home, and say, how can I better honor you? And then watch out because your parent might drive off the road because they'll be so pumped. They'll be so excited. Your mom and dad long for you to engage in this type of conversation. They are so excited about having this intentional conversation with you. So just ask, how can I better honor you? And then if you're a parent, flip the question. How can I better love you? How can I create an environment at home where it's easier and easier for you to honor me? Now again, I know as I say this, you're thinking in your mind, yeah, but you don't know me like this, and he does that, and my mom and dad like that, and, they, and I get it, okay? But Jesus loves you. He was crucified on the cross and raised from death, so you can take a step forward and have this conversation. You can do it. And think of our church as more and more families have these type of conversations. Mom, dad, am I honoring you well? How can I grow? The humility it takes to have this conversation. Just beautiful. Okay? Oh, children, especially teens, if you're here, okay, category three, here's one way that you can live this out. It's just simply, how do you talk about your parents when you're with your friends or online or whatever? And even more than that, how do you also talk about your, talk about your teachers or those in authority of you? Yes, the fifth commandment specifically is about family, but there's also kind of this window into a wider framework of how we talk about those in authority. Right now, what we're taught about as teenagers in this society is that those in authority, they're just kind of like that, and they're just not really that cool, and they don't understand. And all. What if, what if you started a radical revolution of actually speaking well of your mom and dad, speaking well of your teacher, identifying ways that your teacher has been helpful, instead of always complaining? Instead of always talking back, instead of always getting sassy at home, you don't need to be sassy because of your Savior Jesus. He's given you a new way of engaging those in authority with you. Parents, category four, I think what I'm trying to, as much as possible, I know there's so many different ways this can okay, work itself out. There's a few more. Parents, let's create environments in our home where we are specifically committed to teaching our kids about Jesus Christ, about love for God and love for neighbor. That's the Lord's calling in your life. Right now, for us, the Urig house, about four to five to six minutes, 
One way we're doing this, okay, just one simple way, is we're reading through a portion of a psalm, and then I choose a main word or a main phrase, and I say, Adam, today's psalm's about unity, or today's psalm's about loving God. His love lasts forever. And I say, Adam, say forever. He says, well, and I say, yes, that's great. Let's pray. 15-second prayer. Lord, help us know you love us forever. And maybe we sing a song about maybe not. Six minutes, seven minutes, we're done. It's just one way. Don't copy us. That's going to look different. Some of you have to do it while you're driving to school or whatever, talking about Christ. I get it. Our, our lives together and families, they can be chaotic and crazy. But the Lord Jesus does expect you to have your home as the primary context where your daughter or son or whatever the family looks like, blended family, it can look different. They're learning about Jesus Christ. That is his call for you from his word. Make it a place where your kids, find, they find it easy to honor you, okay? Now, there's this whole category of broken homes, okay? I know that some of us, our parents are not Christian. Others of us, they don't have, we don't have parents, either from abandonment or death. Others of us, parents have certain character flaws that keep discouraging us. What, what do we do with all these situations? I think one of the most important things, especially if your parents are not Christian or you don't have parents, is to understand the local church as the family of God. The local church is the spiritual family of God where whatever failures of mother and father, you can relearn ways of respecting and honoring those in authority of you as, get this, those who are older, godlier Christians are become spiritual mothers and fathers to you. And so think of your role in your community group or here on Sunday mornings. Fine, if you don't, man, I, I, my dad just failed big time for me or my mom was not there the way I needed her. That is, that's terrible. And that's a place of lament. And yet, look around here. There are beautiful and lovely spiritual mothers who are ready to pour into young women and amazing, godly, awesome Incredible men who want to pour into young men to know how do I love Christ and love my neighbor. Let's become here at Parkview Church a spiritual family where whatever failures have happened in home life and disappointments and sadnesses and the monsters, that we relearn a new way according to Jesus Christ where he teaches us how to care for one another. But finally, friends, this is the last thing, is we have to keep looking at Jesus Christ. The fifth commandment is a window into the picture of the perfect Son of God who was fully obedient to his Father to the point of death. And through Jesus Christ, we've now been adopted into the eternal family of love of the Heavenly Father and the Holy Spirit. And so, friends, our families can be strong bridges again because Jesus Christ is the divine maintenance worker who knows how to take all of our problems and rework them according to his glory. And so we need to keep becoming more and more a church that keeps looking to Jesus, looking to Jesus, who is the perfect Son of God, showing us the loving Heavenly Father. Let's pray. Father, we are so thankful that Jesus Christ honored you perfectly and that through Jesus, though we failed, Lord, though we have suffered, we see the one who's come to comfort us, the one who's come to restore us. We know your plan for us as families, and we know here how often that our experience has been so far away from what you've expected of us. And so we pray for forgiveness. We also pray for healing, that you would mend and restore and infiltrate family life, whatever it looks like right now for these families here, with the love of the Heavenly Father through Christ the Son. And keep remaking us in the image of Jesus, we pray.
for your glory and the good of this church. Amen.